Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast. SOS 29, episode 29, Movie Tuesday. What are we watching today, David? We watched the movie that received the Best Picture Drama Award at this year's Golden Globes because it was available to watch on Hulu called Nomadland. That's and, right. We watched and, it last night. And before we get into the discussion about the movie itself, I would just like to say I've never been captivated by the big screen and the nice audio setup that is, occurs in your you know local multiplex. I love the fact, especially with these art house films, this isn't like superheroes and a blue laser in the sky and people dying. This is very much... People having conversations out on the road. This this movie, I don't need a giant screen and twenty four speakers around my head to enjoy this movie. I can enjoy this at home without some fat, disgusting slob sneezing and coughing all over me <laughs> while he eats a whole pizza. You tell him, David. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? Like how it's very nice to be able to watch first run movies. At home, and that's one thing the pandemic has brought about, and it'll be difficult for movie theaters going forward, but I am on board for watching brand new movies at home. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Actually, we are we are lucky. Mm-hmm. We are a lucky generation. There's a lot, of, a lot of things we can do now that we've never been able to do before. Imagine how much more bored people would have been had the pandemic occurred 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was no streaming service, and there was no, I mean, we can watch the Golden Globes on TV. The next day, we can see the one that won Best Picture. And I think that's pretty cool. Or nineteen eighteen when they didn't even have movies. Yeah, you had to read a book. Yeah, <laughs> play the piano, sing to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm pulling up the Nomadland IMDb. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I think that we're going to have very different opinions on this because we did yesterday when we discussed it yep we did could it be interesting it's gonna be a very interesting discussion uh let me see i want to pull up the wikipedia as well just because some of that stuff i think we mentioned this at the beginning of the movie she starts to have conversations with these people when she goes to arizona and some of the people seemed real I don't, did. I don't know if they were actors sort of telling other people's stories and they sort of just massaged it to make it a little bit more cinematic and narrative. But uh, a lot of that seemed genuine. Well, uh, I don't know if the actors, I don't know if the people in that movie were actors or real people uh, that never acted before. They just They just filled them. But one thing I do know is that some of that dialogue uh, was real. Uh, that dialogue was written by people who actually lived it. So I think if they had an actor play it, uh, that actor played the dialogue that that person actually did. Because some of that stuff that was saying, as I, as I told you uh, last night, yeah, I, I felt the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was real. So we can take a look at the Wikipedia page. It says the film was directed, written, and edited by Chloe Zhao. Now, there's not 
a lot of backstory. I, I should have read this before we started. Okay, so it was a book in 2017. So I think that Chloe Zhao may have spent time among, because in her Golden Globes acceptance speech, she said, I'd like to thank all the nomads who helped make this possible. Maybe she spent time among the nomads collecting stories, and then she wrote it into a cinematic experience. That's that's sort of what I'm getting from this quick skimming of of the Wikipedia page. So she lived with these people. She sort of saw how they thought, how they lived. That's why she was so capable of telling their story in a way that seemed like it was almost a documentary. But really it wasn't. It was it was a little too perfect. When someone sits there and tells a story and it's timed perfectly and they don't ramble and they don't stutter and it perfectly advances the narrative, it's it's a little too perfect. I remember you showed us, oh, I want to show you this clip of this hippie girl on the Smothers Brothers. And I remember 30 seconds in, I'm like, she's an actress. It's, she's an actress, this yeah. is a, It's but, too perfect. Yeah, but you're like, it's just what exactly what everyone thought a hippie was, and she comes on the show, and she's just like it. And it's like, that's because she's written to be exactly what you think she is. That, that's exactly right. Yeah, you're right. So You're right. So I think, uh, I don't know how we should handle this. What were your initial impressions? I guess that's a good place to start. Initial impressions. Well, the first thing, the first word I said after the movie was over was boring. It was boring to me. It just... And then after I thought about it a while and says it wasn't a movie, it was a documentary. It was a documentary of these these uh, people who chose they they chose to just travel. And why is why do you need a movie about that? I mean, I chose I choose to drink my tea. Why do you want to make a movie about that? That that's just what they that's their life. And I guess a life is so strange. And I thought about this morning. I thought, why is that? Why is that movie? so captivating to people that's just how people live so well maybe it's captivated by the people who don't live that way Mm -hmm. you know i would be captivated by someone who lives in a mansion who never drives a car gets driven in a limousine is oh wow you know so maybe those people are captivated by people who who have their van for 30 years or their truck sitting out there that that they bought in 1979, they're still driving it because that's that's their baby, you know. Wow, that's really strange. No, it's not. That's how I live. Uh, so I thought it was boring uh, because it was just like a documentary of people's lives, and I I didn't see the I didn't see it, I guess, and it could be my age because uh, I'm older. I also think maybe because of your age and what you've grown up watching and what you favor in terms of movies, you like a clear narrative with a three-act structure. And, I mean, you're a big fan of Hallmark movies where it's clear exactly what's going to happen. And when they suggest that something might happen, you can take it to the bank that it will happen. (laughs) It will happen. (laughs) When the advertising executive comes back to his hometown... And the pretty young girl is putting together a Christmas festival. 
and by some twist of fate, he has to help her, and she thinks he's too busy, and he thinks she's too simple, you know at the end they're going to kiss in the middle of the town square, and the whole town's going to clap. (laughs) And you're looking forward to all those beats. You know they're going to have a little falling out about, I don't know, an hour and five minutes in because every movie is about an hour and 40 minutes and the last 30 minutes they're going to discover that they were truly right for each other all the time and at the end they're going to get together and it's going to tell that story and you're expecting that story and these people are young and they're beautiful and they end up together and you feel good and you leave thinking that was a good movie now this movie (laughs) is much more like you said it's like a documentary these people aren't that attractive they're over the hill they're older they're in dire or less advantageous financial circumstances, they don't make decisions that you would make if you were in their position. For instance, Fern, first of all, she stays with her sister, and that seems like torture to her, uh, just to sort of spoil the movie a little bit, and she has to move on. She can't stay in a house with her sister. But then, in the sort of love interest, Dave... She goes and visits him, and it's a very idyllic scene. They live on a farm. Dave has sort of settled down. He was a nomad, too. But it was just so perfect where they were. And the life and lifestyle was very intoxicatingly intoxicatingly easy or, I don't know, idyllic. And you think, is Fern going to stay with Dave and they're going to ride off into the sunset and be happily ever after? But she stays there for a while and she does have these experiences that are very nice, but she belongs on the road. That's who she is. So she leaves Dave behind and goes back out on the road all by herself. And for a lot of people, that would be disappointing. You'd say, I want her to say, oh, this is going to make me happy. You know, settling down, being with this guy, finding this community in one place. But she is a nomad. That's why she leaves. Yeah, that wasn't her. That that was not her. I mean, you can flip it around. Uh, all the people who grew up in a house, who lived in a house, who got married, bought a house, uh, their whole lives, they go home and sleep in their bed, in their bedroom, in their house. And so would you want to leave your house, get a get a get a van and just start living in a van every single day and uh, just drive around? Would you want to do that? Like, no, no, no. Well, why would you say they would want to do what you want to do? People are different. I Mm -hmm. mean, I I don't know why it's I I tell you what the the most surprising thing about that movie is that everyone thought it was so that it won an award. <laughs> it was well done. It was well done. Actually, what was her name? Zhao? Yeah, uh, Chloe Zhao. Chloe. Chloe did a great job. It, it was a really well done movie. But the content, it was just, yeah, this is how they live, and this is how they live, and this is how they live. And that's uh, was pretty much it. At least that's all I took from it. Maybe there was a deeper meaning that I that I missed. I don't know. But it was just people. Actually, now that I think about it, David, maybe that movie was saying uh, people are different and let people live the way they want to live. Mm-hmm. And let people die the way they want to die. Why should we tell you? Why should we, we have the 
right to tell someone you've got to live this way and you should die this way. Like the lady who went to Alaska and she says, I'm going to do this. And, and when I come back, uh, just threw a rock in the fire in memory of me. And they did mm -hmm. because that's what she wanted. I think we need to respect each other, respect each other the way they live, uh, the way they want to die. There needs to be more respect in this world. And it's too much. You should do it this way. You should do it this way. You should do it this way. Maybe that's it. I don't know. That's just my a little bit two more cents in my in, in the in the discussion. Yeah, I think that also there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from people just by the conversations that they have in that movie. They they say things that are very real. That's why and it feels real. And you would never hear that in a Hallmark movie. And it's like just because you felt like you've lived something similar to what someone has said doesn't mean that everyone else has. So it might give them a glimpse into the pain behind loss or the difficulty of moving on after something tragic happens. Because for a lot of people, nothing tragic has ever happened to them in their life. And this movie is a window into how would they react if they had to face their life being upbraided by a, an event that they hadn't foreseen. Mm -hmm. Well, the, that's very true. That's very true. And uh, but they uh, one thing that was common is they had people that did the same thing they did, and uh, those people pretty much understood each other. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you know the, the Santa Claus guy, whatever yeah. his name was, he I... understood Fern. He understood Fern, and Fern was the uh, lead the lead uh, character, and uh, he understood her and says, "Yeah, yeah, this is how I." I says I don't tell. And it, the, the conversation Ferd had with him was very interesting. And I'm sure he was an actor because he did it so well. But uh, the words uh, were real because, you know, the, the Santa Claus guy, whatever his name was, uh, when he talked with her, you know, he was very honest. He says, you know, I don't really tell anyone this, uh, but I'll tell you. And he pretty much told her. Uh, what he felt about life. And uh, she nodded. And there was no judgment there. There was no, you're wrong. You should do it this. You should do it my way. Uh, she didn't say that. He didn't tell her that, you know, Fern, you should do it my way. Uh, says, I do it this way. You do it that way. And uh, if you need any help from me, let me know. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you don't encroach on people. You just let, you just, I, I consider that respect for a human being, letting them, be who they are, do what they want to do to live and die uh, with the dignity and integrity. So uh, it looks like the guy's name is Bob Wells and the YouTube channel is real. Uh, the, the YouTube Santa, channel? What? YouTube the Santa channel. Claus guy. Yeah. So Cheap RV Living is his YouTube channel. And he does the Rubber Tramp Rendezvous in Arizona in the winter. So he's a real guy. Yeah. Uh, let's see if we can find his YouTube channel. Well, the, not, not, well, hey, not to, uh, uh, have a spoiler here on the movie, but if that's a real guy, was his story real about his son dying? Yeah, it would. Apparently I, so. I kind of imagine that it would be. There he is. That's him. See, the next one down. That's what I mean by Santa Claus guy. It looks like mm -hmm. Santa Claus. Yeah. That's what she says, too. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Santa Claus? 
you know, he's a nice guy. He's a great guy. I mean, and he says he got into this because he wanted to help people who wanted to be, well, let's say nomads. They just wanted to travel around, you know, and uh, and he wanted to. And uh, and also he said in his dialogue, in his talk, he said, doing the nomad thing, that saved his life after his son died. Mm-hmm. That's what he needed. And uh, I, I, I really, I really like that. One of the most touching uh, uh, dialogue was was Bob Bob. His name is Bob Wells. Bob Wells, like the sons <laughs> of the pioneer guy. No, no, uh, yeah, he wasn't in Sons of the Pioneer. Oh yeah, the Western Swing, the Swing King of Western Swing. Swing King of Bob, you know Bob Wells and the and the uh, uh, what, what was it? I forget their names now. Yeah, me too. It was my dad. It's my dad's favorite. Bob, Bob Wells. Wells the Texas Playboys. Texas Playboys, that's it. Texas Playboys. Bob Wilson. Texas Playboys. I met him when I was a little kid, by the way. Hey, that's a shout out. I met Bob Wills. Yay, as a little <laughs> kid. You know, and he says, You want to see my uncle? Oh, it's John Lee Wills Jr.'s son. I was I played with him. You want to see Bob Wills? Hi, Bob. He says, This is my uncle Bob. Hi, Uncle Bob. Anyway, uh he uh Bob Wells. Maybe that's a maybe he was named after Bob Wells. I don't know. Uh but um that that was one of the best scenes because yeah. he was on it. He was very honest. He said, uh, "I bet they filmed that and edited it, you know, but it was him telling really, his story." I really hope that it's not someone else's story. And it's like Bob, will you say this? Or maybe even if it was someone else's story, I'm starting to learn more about the stuff just by looking at the internet right now. I could have done some research beforehand, but we just <laughs> found out that it won Best Picture on Sunday night. And then we watched a movie last night. Haven't really had time to sort of look into it. But Nomadland is a book. It's not by Chloe Zhao. It's by Jennifer Bruder. But Je- Jessica book, Bruder. But the book could have good could have could have given uh, Chloe her uh, idea. Oh yeah, I'm sure that they optioned the book. Francis McDormand optioned the book. Oops. Uh, so here, book review: Nomadland by Jessica Bruder. Francis McDormand uh, optioned the book, so I think Francis McDormand wanted to play Fern in Nomadland. Uh, so we mm. could take a look at Nomadland and see if it is a non-fiction book or what. Non-fiction book, yeah. Well, I think someone watching it has to have a right mindset of it's not one story it's many stories, many stories of people who have chosen a lifestyle that suits them. Uh, and they have chosen a lifestyle to live in a, in a RV or a trailer and, and just travel around mm-hmm. and just go one place to another to another. And, uh, and the, uh, how the difficulty of it, uh, and learning how to do it and, and uh, Fern lost her job, lost her husband. She had no kids, and uh, and even at at Dave, uh, <laughs> she was handed his her, he, he handed her his grandchild, and she was very uncomfortable because she's mm-hmm. never been around kids. And uh, but that's just their lifestyle. That's what they've chosen. 
and they want to live and they want to die and they just want to enjoy life. And I think that's a lesson which is good for all of us. You know, some people want to live forever. Says, well, uh, how about just living for today and being happy today and trying to live as much as you can out of life today? Don't worry about forever. Yeah. Forever takes care of itself. But I think there's an interesting part in the movie where her friend, I forget the friend's name. What was the friend's name? You know which one I'm talking about? Stumpy or? Yeah, who went to Alaska, came back, and went to Alaska and talked about all the birds. Swanky, yeah. Swanky. Oh, yeah. She was swanky. (laughs) Uh, Swanky, you know, when Frances McDormand is talking about her husband dying. Fern. Fern, yeah. And Swanky says, you know, she says, I wish I could have put him out of his misery because Swanky had terminal cancer and she had a concoction of pills that would allow her to take her own life if things got too bad. She said, I'm not going to spend my last weeks or months in a hospital. That's just... I'm going to drive to Alaska. I'm going to enjoy the last few weeks of my month. If things get too bad, I'm going to have an exit strategy. And Fern says, I wish I would have had an ed- exit strategy for Bo, my husband. And Swanky says, well, you know what? Maybe he wanted to spend every last minute with you. Maybe that's what he wanted. You know, Maybe he wanted to be there and hold on until the very end. And I think that's a comforting thing to say to someone who you know, saw a loved one suffer. And... There's vignettes where people are talking about why they're living the van life. And they say, I was in corporate America and my boss, he was two weeks from retirement and he had a heart attack and he never got to take out his boat. And I didn't want to be one of those people that never got to take out the boat. So my van is my boat and I travel all over the place. And that is a romantic way of looking at it. But to take Swanky's devil's advocate point of view, maybe the boss really loved working. You never (laughs) know. That's true. That's true. And the reason he didn't retire, he could have retired 10 years ago and been on his boat, but he wanted to be there mixing it up in the corporate world. You know, that level of stress and that level of involvement, some people thrive. And the fact of not having hardly any responsibilities and being out there on the road or being out there on your boat with nothing to do but sort of look at the clouds go by, maybe listen to some music, crack a beer. For some people, that just wouldn't work. You need to have... It's like like Alex Trebek. He worked right up until the end Mm because he wanted to do the show, and that's what he loved to do. He did hit it for for how many long? 30 years or something? 40 years? 37? 37. 37 years. That's what he wanted to do. And God bless him. Let people live the way they want to live. Let them die the way they want to die. And... uh, and some people, like, for example, and, and David, I think you know this, you can have two people with the same terminal disease. One says, I, I just want to die now. The other says, no, I, I want to fight this thing and live as long as I can and then die a little bit later. And so, which one's right and which one's wrong? They're both right. Yeah. You're only, I think you're only wrong if you get talked into fighting when you want to enjoy your last few moments or you get talked into enjoying your last few moments when you'd rather continue fighting. You got to do what you, what's, what you want to do. And in that situation, it's nobody else's life but yours. Yep. 
And, uh, and sometimes the medical field is not always trying to make people well. It's trying to make people comfortable or happy. Mm-hmm. And they, they're there. They, they're, it's a service uh, that need to listen to the people. Anyway, uh, I think that's one message that came through uh, all the way through that these are these this is how they live this is what they want to live what they mm-hmm. want to do so we saw well, nomadland which is the 2021 gold well, globe th- oh go ahead another thing david nothing david uh and you you can think about everybody can think about their lives everybody can think about what they've done i know i'm i'm older uh, a little bit older than you are <laughs> anyway i'm older and um and I know when I first started my working way back when, before when I was single, you know, I was very aggressive and I worked really hard and I, I, I made some, I was successful and I'd made some successes. And, but then I decided, you know, I, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. And I shifted to something Then I shifted a couple more times. And finally, I kind of went away from this, this type of career and I moved to this type of career and someone, a lot of people, would look at what I was doing here, what I'm doing now, and say, why would you do that? This is, this is like so much, this is, this is success, and this is failure. Why would you do that? So a lot of people would look at that. And I say, because this is what I want to do. Uh, I, I would much rather live the kind of life I'm living now than the life that I left. Uh, mm-hmm. That was not the kind of life I wanted to, to live. You may not be alive so, if you kept on that path. I mean, if, if it was stressful and, you know, if you get stressed out of your current job and your last job was twice as stressful, your last job may have killed you by now. Yeah, but that's the point is, if you enjoy that, that's fine. But it's stressful and you don't enjoy it. <laughs> so don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I got an answer for you. Don't do it. And the thing is, you say some people might say that's success and that's failure. I know a lot of people, uh, some people, who they they ended up on the streets, homeless, you know, through substance abuse issues and maybe mental health issues, and and even those people. It's tough for me to look at them and say those people are failures. I think that they are victims of their own demons. So the fact that you carved out a 30-year career in something slightly less prestigious, no one's going to call you a failure. Like, that's, uh, when you look at it, it's like, oh, well, I was doing something slightly more prestigious 30 years ago, and then I made a switch, and that's failure. Like, nobody thinks that way except for you. And at the end of the day, the only person that can characterize the things that you've done in your life and your career is yourself because it's a little secret no one else cares and if you truly are low enough where someone could look at you and say you failed they probably wouldn't do that because or or they're not the type of person that you'd really consider a friend because friends that i have that might be homeless living on the street with substance abuse issues I look at them and instead of saying that person's a stone cold loser, a failure, I say there but for the grace of God go I. So 
I don't really think that anyone that's worth associating with would ever think of you as a failure. The only person that can do that, the only person that can call you a failure is yourself. And then what you realize is that's basically looking at it in the characterization of others and then realizing that in the minds of others, you're insignificant. You could be CEO of Amazon. You could be uh, cleaning up the bathrooms at a rest stop like Fern was doing in Nomadland. And to someone that's not you, you're an afterthought. And it's very true. Very true. A lot of times, but but they don't care about you. I think a lot of times people just care about themselves. You know, and I think a lot of times when they say you should do this, you should do this. A lot of times it's just they're thinking about themselves. Mm -hmm. Like like I like even today, uh, I think I've even mentioned to you that uh, if you look, if you can go different places in Denver and see some homeless people. What do you think of when you see those homeless people? Well, what I think of is that some of those people are there because they don't want to be there and they should be helped. Mm -hmm. uh, but some people are there because they choose to be there. That's the kind of life they want to live. They should be helped, too, if they want the help. They may not want it, you know. And so you offer the help if they want it and they may take it, you know. And uh, I, I getting back to Sequoia. <laughs> we're sons of Sequoia. Uh, my dad would understand uh, helping people. In the, when people come in the store, uh, they would come in, uh, people who were down on their luck, and they would ask him for help, and he'd always help them. Uh, because he was, because there was a time when he needed help, and people helped him, and he passed it on. And uh, But he didn't tell people the help he didn't tell people what they had to do. He said, you got to do this. You got to do this. And I'm not going to help you unless you do this. He didn't force them into anything. He encouraged them uh, in a, a way, different ways that they may want to go. And a lot of them took it. And a lot of them didn't take uh, those, those opportunities. Uh, but he never really judged. And he never forced people to do something they didn't want to do. And he understood and understood because he came from, he came from a hard life, and I was lucky because I really didn't come from a hard life like he did. But I learned from him, and he really preached. Uh, he lived it. He lived uh, just respect people for what who they are and what they say and what they do. And I think uh, that's that's something that uh, I think it's the foundation of America that you know respect each other. For what they do or don't do, mm -hmm. and don't and don't encroach on other people's uh, what other people, the other people's lives. And you know we need each other. You know you think well how can or how can someone who's really successful and wealthy, how can they benefit from a nomad? Well, you can uh, by talking with them, getting to know them, respecting them. They will respect you, and that social uh, benefit you get from each other, uh, respect them, and they respect you to be different, and that's that's a strength. That's that's a strength that we need in our in our country in our society that we don't have in a lot of places.
Mm-hmm. When you force other people to be something they're not, and you don't respect who they are and support who they are, where they are, what they do, that's a weakness. Yeah. Weakness in our society. So I don't think the movie really said all that. No, not at all. <laughs> but it doesn't say that at all. But I don't know. That, that's just how I... I guess I'm spinning off and saying, okay, well, uh, it was boring because it was just showing what people did. This is a different. I think that a lot of times, though, you don't need to be hit over the head with the message. A good movie will sort of allow you space to come to those conclusions on your own. And that's why I think it was a good movie. So we can take a look at the Golden Globe nominees. We have this one because this is Netflix. I don't think we have this one or this one, The Father or Promising Young Woman. So we can watch Mank, and we can watch The Trial of the Chicago 7. Now, what I think we'll find is this will be, The Trial of the Chicago 7 will be diametrically opposed to Nomadland. Because what I saw in Nomadland was a movie where there was a lot of space for things to happen and where you have to read between the lines to glean the meaning of what you saw on screen. Now, The Trial of the Chicago 7 was written by Aaron Sorkin, and they made a good joke in the monologue of the Golden Globes where Aaron Sorkin's one of the few writers that can write seven people talking at the same time, and it sounds like 20 people talking at the same time. I don't particularly like Aaron Sorkin's writing style, but he keeps winning awards because he's very, he's very good at what he does. So I think if we watch that one next week, we'll come to very different conclusions about, you'll come to very different conclusions about why you didn't like it. And you may say, or you might say, I liked it. I learned a lot about the Chicago 7. It told the story from beginning to end in a narrative structure. Every character had something to add to the plot. So it may be because there's more structure, you like it more. Or you might say, everyone was talking at the same time. I want to go back to Nomadland where I was just given impressions and forced to piece together the meaning. It's fascinating how movies can take two different approaches. Yeah. Yeah. And neither one is wrong. It's like living your life. You got to do what's right for you. If Nomadland was these nomads speaking a mile a minute for two hours, you'd have been like, I didn't like that movie. There had to be the space for you to see the open spaces and the lifestyle and, and sort of appreciate what was going on. Like how Fern says, you know, my house in Empire, it was nothing special. Well, it was. It was the last track row, track house on a row. And it opened up to open space. And there was nothing in our way. So she had the same house as everyone else in the gypsum mine did. But what was special about it to her is you go out the back door and you see the open spaces. So even when she was living in a house with her husband, the open spaces are what caught her eye. That was that was what was special. And she went back to her house. Mm-hmm. And she walked in it. She walked through it. She walked out the back door. And she left it and didn't go back. Well, she started walking into the open space, and that was one of the last scenes. Right. Yeah. And then she got in her got in her van and drove off. So yeah, I I liked it. <laughs> I didn't think it was boring. I thought it was pretty darn good. Uh, you thought it was a little boring. Did, are you coming around to it the more you think about it, or 
No, I, I still think I still think it was pretty. It was boring. It was like okay, I kept waiting for something to happen. You know, it's it's like no, no. It's kind of like this podcast. What if for a whole hour? How long? It was an hour and forty minutes. Was that movie? Yes. So for an hour and forty minutes, you and I just sat here and said, "Okay, uh, well, I got up this morning and I got my tea, and I drank my tea. Let me take another drink now." You know, oh, that was good. Uh, that's kind of the whole movie to me. I go, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, and like you say, you can read into it and you have hidden meetings here and there and it's different people's lifestyle. Or you say, oh, I don't, I don't like you. I don't drink tea or I drink tea, but I don't drink it in this kind of a bottle. I drink it. And that's the kind of the whole movie was. It's kind of like, OK, 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 you know, and. It was just telling a story of these people's lives. And I thought, yeah, it got boring after a while. <laughs> I mean, I went back home. I went back home to my childhood home uh, back in Tulsa and uh, there on the corner. And uh, I drove by it and I stopped and I saw the house was up on. They were getting ready to move it. So it was being torn away. You know, I go, oh, wow, you know, there it goes. And then I I was going, nobody was there, but I wanted to get out, walk up and say, are you, because there was a brick planter in the front. And I said, are you going to destroy this planter and throw the brick away? But nobody was there to ask. Uh, it was still intact. But if they were going to tear it down and just throw the brick away or reuse it someplace else, I would, I would, I was going to ask, can I have one of those bricks to take with me to bring home? Because my grandfather made that for my mother when they moved into that house when I was a little boy, you know. And so I could tell that story. He says, "Oh well, that's neat." But if you have a, an hour and forty minutes of those kind of stories, it's important to me. But it's not going to be important to the listeners. I mean, if we told that many stories, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, and I went over here to this store and I did and I tried to they'd be they would go to sleep. And I almost went to sleep a couple of times anyway. It's fascinating that you thought that one night in Miami was great. And it's sort of like by virtue of being famous or celebrities, you felt like these people had something to say. And by virtue of being nobodies, you felt like their stories were worthless. Is that do you, is that what's going on? I don't think so. I think one night in Miami, what they were talking about were issues of discrimination that was happening then and they happen today. And it's a problem. So it's something that has to be dealt with today that uh, our society has to deal with today. And I think if there if there was something that uh, the Nomad movie addressed is that let people live the way they want to live. But something in One Night in Miami is, is well, that problem back there of discrimination against against uh, the the black people, black nation, or even uh, uh, Islam, that's still today. It's still happening. And it's happening at the highest levels of our government. And so that's a problem. 
That's not a problem. You just say, well, just let them go. Let them go. No, you can't let them go. We have to address it. And they were addressing it. So they're addressing a problem. There, there's a there's a call to action. Uh, let's stop. Let's stop discrimination. Let's stop this stuff. And let's respect each other. I guess it's the same message, wasn't it? Once res respecting a, a, the blacks, the others respecting nomads. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, the reason that she was a nomad, well, her husband died, but also the gypsum mine and empire dried up. They shut it down. Everybody lost their jobs. Her town died and her husband died. And economic insecurity is not a problem that's unique to the movie Nomadland. I think that the reason she found herself on the road, yeah, she had a hankering for the open space, but it's also because in America, for some people, there is no safety net. For some people, you put in 20, 30 years at the mine, all of a sudden the mine stops producing gypsum, and they cut you loose. And you've only done one thing ever, and you're 50, 60 years old, and they say, okay, good luck, start a new life. And I think that's a fear that a lot of people have. I think that economic anxiety is a fear that's motivated a lot of what's gone on politically in this country, for good or for ill, that we see play out in the news. So, I mean, it does confront tangentially some issues that are of societal import, and it just doesn't say, oh, this is the guy that's trying to unionize Amazon in Nomadland. And he's a big famous labor rights. This is Cesar Chavez. You know, he's going to try to get labor rights. And and this conversation he has with President Lyndon Johnson will spark the war on poverty. It's like, no, there's actually real people living through economic uncertainty. And their lives don't play out in some grand gesture that allows them to sort of push the narrative forward. The interesting thing about Nomadland is that these people, until this movie was made, their stories never got told. And you could say, oh, yeah, I know. I know there's people that have fallen on hard times. I know that there's people that live an itinerant lifestyle. I don't need to be told a story about it. But you'll watch a movie about two attractive young people getting together and kissing at the end ten times. And it's like, you know that story, too. I think it's fascinating just for someone to say, let's tell the story that hasn't been told and put it out there into the world, and now it exists. And I think that's the important thing about creating movies sometimes. Yeah, good point. Very good point, David. I see what you mean. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it was less of a narrative structure. So if you were waiting for something's going to happen, you would be bored. Yeah. It looked it looked nice, though. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. But I can go outside and I got the mountains right here. It's beautiful. <laughs> sidewalk in New York City is the same as a sidewalk in Denver. That was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went on vacation when I was younger. We went to New York City. And you were upset the whole time. And my mom was like, what's wrong? And you're like, the sidewalk in Denver is the same as the sidewalk here. So we were in the middle of New York City. And it was like, why do you have to go someplace? Every place is exactly the same. Why do you have to look at a movie? I could just look outside and see a beautiful sunset. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Ah, just enjoy what you have. Why do you have to go someplace to enjoy, enjoy the world? You're in the world. Mm -hmm. The world's right here. You know, but we do have a beautiful world, though. I mean, uh, you know, we have the mountains and the, and the oceans are beautiful. The forests are beautiful. The, uh, 
I mean, we have a beautiful world, and it and I do uh, support travel mm-hmm. <laughs> for other people. But, yeah, well, I, I'm changing my mind a little bit. You know, travel is I hate. I don't like to travel. Yeah, it's a hassle. But I like being different places. You know, getting there is a hassle. But after you're there, it is it is enjoyable. Yeah, but um, as far as the um, uh, the one night in Miami, uh, that actually there was there was no real storyline there. It was all about the characters of the people you knew, but also I mean they were famous, but also they were focusing on one issue, and I guess they brought that issue uh, to the surface uh, a little bit more dramatically than Nomad did. Mm-hmm. I mean Nomad Land. Also, so. I mean, there's economic uncertainty, but there's dealing with loss. And like the guy said, the guy, uh, Bob Wells, said, you know, a lot of people out here are our age, 50s, early 60s. And it's like everyone that's out here is dealing with some sort of loss when you get when you get older. You know, the young yeah. kids, the kids with the crystals and the wire wrap jewelry, they may not know loss like like the older generation does. But they are still nomads for some reason, you know. They're still sort mm-hmm. of wandering, trying to find some truth out there on the road. Uh, so, but when you join a community, and I think the internet shows this, look at cheap RV living, uh, this Bob Wells guy. His channel has almost half a million subscribers, and I'm sure the the movie has something to do with I'm sure he's seen growth in the last few months because of the movie. But it shows that on the internet... You know, his let me pack all my stuff into a van to deal with a tragedy in my life and start traveling around and living in a van. And then I'm going to start a YouTube channel where I teach other people the best way to live in a van. And then I'm going to go to Arizona every winter and we're going to have a little meetup. And the fascinating thing is if you told that to me, I'd be like, okay. That's fine. I would never think that 400,000 people online would want to see someone do that. But part of the reason why I think that he has 481,000 subscribers is because he's committed. He's all in on van living. And like he said, it's his way of serving people and trying to do something. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, it could be living in a van. It could be preaching at a church, it could be volunteering, it could be teaching Sunday school, you know, or it could be uh, coaching a baseball team, or um, going to AA and listening to people's stories and offering them support when they need it, or it could be anything. But if you do something, you'd be surprised at how people will respond to it when what you're doing comes from a genuine place and you're committed to it. And whatever you feel like doing, and everyone tells you that's weird, that's strange, that's odd, why are you doing that, that's wrong. Well, I think one thing that Bob Wells has pointed out, there's a lot of people like you. Mm-hmm. So, so you're not weird. Just be yourself. Uh, you say, I want to do something that's really off the wall. Well, maybe it's off the wall because of people around you now but there may be other people that understand exactly what you mean because they're just like you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think everyone needs to know that. 
And also, like Bob, Bob Wells was talking about, he lost his son. You know, when you go through sorrow and loss and and uh, like everyone there has gone through uh, the experience of losing someone close to them. Uh, it is unique to you. That hurt, the experience is uniquely yours. But there's other people who've gone through the same unique experience to them. So never say, I know what it's like. Just say, I've gone through something similar, so it must be hard for you, just like it was hard for me. Let them have their sorrow. And I think that's exactly what Bob was saying. And I, that was a that's a very good message. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at the Internet now. It says that prior to the movie's release, Bob Wells had only told about 20 people that his son committed suicide. And that inspired him to get out on the road. Well, him saying that on the movie, I think, was a very good thing to do. Uh, and I want to congratulate and and thank Bob for doing that, because that's going to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Because the most powerful dialogue was when Bob was being honest. And I and I told you after the movie, that was the most honest part mm -hmm. when he said when he said that. Without my son. Why, why should I live on this earth when he's not? And, and that's true. That, that's, that's a true emotion. That's a true feeling. And I want to thank Bob for sharing that because there's going to be hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that go through the same thing. And so he's saying you're not alone. Mm -hmm. But he also said, I can honor him by helping other people. Yeah. That that's so true too. And so people I want to say people who are going through sorrow and loss and you think I don't have a right to live when they're not here. You can honor them by helping other people. But you have to come to that point and you have to come to that point yourself. Uh, no one can do it for you. No one can do it for you. And I think good people like Bob Wells and 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 friends who listen and don't judge, uh, you have and give them the space. They have to come to that point themselves. But and once they do, they're going to be fine. The hurt never goes away, and the memory never goes away. But but. You can continue on and help other people and honor the people that you love. They helped you. So why don't you go on and help someone else? Because that's honoring them. And I think that that was one of the best scenes that I saw in the movie. It didn't redeem the movie for me, though. <laughs> it was a good vignette. It wasn't it didn't make the movie good. Well, yeah, I but. You can talk to a lot of people that will, if you talk to people, if you keep on talking, but listen to people and listen to what they're saying, everybody has a story. And uh, the stories are all different, but it's the, the story's theirs. And if you listen to what they're saying, you can learn from everyone, no matter who they are, if they're honest mm -hmm. and tell you exactly what they think. So thank you, Bob.
thank you, Bob Wells, for for telling that, because that's going to help a lot of people. So you liked the honesty of the real people in the movie. You didn't quite like the movie. But would you recommend people see it? Well, there again, I think some people who don't know anything about that lifestyle or have never lived in a van or a trailer house, <laughs> never known anyone who lived in a van or a trailer house, they would find it interesting, thought-provoking. Well, I think uh, the moment with Bob Wells, the moment with Swanky, a lot of the things that happen, they're more powerful than anything I saw in One Night in Miami. And they may not have been woven into a cohesive narrative. They might have been just little vignettes that give you a glimpse into the human condition. But I think that's why the people found this movie powerful. And that's why I would recommend that anyone see it. Okay. Would I recommend that people see it? It says, yeah, yeah, it's, I would recommend it. Uh, but know what kind of movie it is. To me, it was boring mm -hmm. uh, because those people's lives are not... See, I have never been... Uh, one Night in Miami, it was something unusual to me. I've never... That was unusual. And so that was... Wow, you know, that's cool to hear those people saying that. And I've... I never... I didn't have the... I'm not black, so I don't know about that discrimination. And I can... I can... I get an idea like, wow, that's terrible. We need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as Nomadland, that wasn't foreign to me. I mean, I went, yeah, that 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 wasn't something that was unusual. Mm -hmm. So it affected me different than other people. Yeah. Well, I think that we've solved the world's problems by reviewing Nomadland. And uh, we can end it there, if, okay. unless there's anything else you want to add. Well, you want me to close? Sure. Okay, here we go. Keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what other people are saying. Bye. Bye.